it's going to be one of those days, huh? Whatever do you mean? I mean, we are going to be sitting here, bored out of our brains, while we wait for some silly little case that you'll solve in a matter of seconds. Oh, it's not that bad, Charlie. If it makes you feel any better, I won't be bored. I have this lovely book that I'm dying to read. Well, what about me? Oh, yes. I forgot to mention that I bought a couple of books from the store yesterday. Ones that are a lot easier to read since you are still learning. Oh, come on, Miss Stone. I don't want to read right now. I don't like struggling to read and then understanding what I'm reading. I'll learn with you, not alone. Well, what about that bandalore that you got? I've played with it too much today already. Can't we do something? Like what? Oh, I don't know. Oh, how about since you like stories so much, you tell me some stories. About? How about when you first met Chief? Or your first case? Did you always do murder? How did the Chief become Chief? Were you always so crime smart? Did you have a best friend? Was some cool- Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold it before you run out of air. I thought you didn't like any of my cases. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that whenever you do anything with me, it's a case. So why do you want me to tell you stories of my old cases? Honestly... I think those are going to be the coolest stories you've got. Hold that thought, Charlie. Shepard! What a pleasant surprise! Oh, yay! He's here. I'm sorry. Did I miss something? Why is he so down in the mouth? About me, no less. I'm guessing he's upset because you probably have a case for me. Yes, actually, I do. It's murder. I just want to run it by you first. Why? Is it terribly difficult? Maybe, maybe not. It's been a slow day today at the office until we got this case. One of my officers wrote down all the evidence and the lowdown of the offense on this paper right here. So you didn't actually go to the scene of a crime? No, and that's why I came here. I'm not so great at figuring out the person who did it by paper alone. I have to be there, but I figured you could do it. So why didn't you go to the scene of the crime if you figured you could do it that way? Are you seriously asking me why I'm giving you a job? I'm guessing you just want an excuse to come over here, Miss Stone. Miss your sweet Stone, Chief? Can it, kid? Can you just tell me who did it, Stone? Stone takes the paper and reads it over. Wow, the wife was quite clever. Using a pillow as a silencer? Quite clever. The wife? Yes, you can tell the wife did it because the pillow was heart-shaped. A wedding ring was on top of the victim, and the victim was married. Since the victim was in a hotel room at the time of the murder, that heart-shaped pillow couldn't have been there to begin with. It was an item that the wife made for them. The victim must have been cheating on the wife by going to the hotel to do so, and she found out. One purchase of a pistol and a clever idea to muffle the sound later, the man is dead. She committed a mistake by using the heart-shaped pillow and throwing out her ring, but I'm guessing she did that because he basically destroyed her heart by cheating. Symbolism, you know. Just question her hard and rattle her up a bit. I'm sure she will come clean. This was a murder out of emotion, not calculation. Well, that was quite fast. Um, I'll take this to the boys so we can question her. Thanks for your help. Hold it there. I haven't got my payment yet. Don't be silly, Stone. You know you have to get it down at the station. Not today, I don't. Today I'm not going to be paid by shillings. Charlie here is feeling a bit slighted, and I believe we owe it to him to give a little something for being so patient with our cases. What does he want? Stories about you and Miss Stone and the old cases. Okay, sure. 
I suppose we start at the beginning. Eh, Stone? I would have sworn that it would have taken a lot more convincing. Oh, no. It's nice to reminisce, and the boys can wait a bit, since they think that it will take you longer than two seconds to solve the case. Besides, any time the station can get out of giving money, the better. Yay! Story time! Yes, indeed. And Shepard is right. It's only logical to start at the beginning, where everything started. Exactly. This is the first murder. WCUG Cougar Radio presents the first episodic storyline of the summer edition for Stone Cold Mysteries called Stone Cold Stories. We have decided to take a short hiatus from the regular episodes to bring you background information about private investigator Samantha Stone and police chief Carter Shepard, as well as engaging in lighter mysteries like theft or missing person cases. As for the answer to May's murder, you will have to wait for the beginning of Columbus State University's fall semester to find out, but you can revisit each episode on SoundCloud at 88.5 FM WCUG Cougar Radio just in case you need a reminder. So don't worry and please pay attention for this drama is getting serious. It is daytime in the sunny streets of London, May 28, 1876. The fair 12-year-old Samantha Stone sits in a classroom within the same vicinity of the roguish 14-year-old Carter Shepard. As the day drags on for Shepard and starts to get interesting for Stone, the classroom gets excited for lunch. Itching to grab their sacks of mother-made food, the kids wait for Mrs. Marvin to dismiss them. Will this classroom be painted red, or is lunch the biggest excitement of the day? Well, let's tune in and find out. And that, children, is how you use the Pythagoras Theorem. Fascinating. Yeah, if you're some stupid egghead. But I think it's about time we pause our lessons for lunch. Yay! 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 I know, I know. I'm looking forward to it, too. You can all go to the schoolyard and eat your lunch. But remember... Be back in an hour to resume the lesson. <laughs> yes, that's right. Now go on, children. Your lunchtime is burning up. All the kids run outside with their lunch bags. Stone is last to go. Stone walks calmly out as Mrs. Marvin takes out her bag on her desk. Stone is finally outside with Shepard sitting by the door with his food. Hey, Samantha, you're finally out. You can sit here. I'd rather not. Why? If you don't, you'll be all alone. No, I have people to sit with. Like who? You sit with one kid in the class for like a day, and then you're all alone again. You've been on and off alone since we were kids. We're still kids, Carter. You get what I mean. You're alone, Samantha, and you always have been. So what? None of these people here are worth my time. I've sat with enough people here to just give up. I'm fine with just eating by myself. Come on. This can't be true. You can't seriously think everyone here isn't worth your time. What about Mary? Mary with the pigtails? Ugh. She never shuts up. Sometimes silence is bliss, but with her, silence is always bliss. Well, what about Jessie? She spits when she talks. I can't stomach it. Uh, Hope? She's dreadfully dull to talk to. Valerie? All she does is gossip and talk about boys. She bores me. What? You don't like gossip? Are you sure you're even a girl? Ha ha. Don't make me kill you. You couldn't. Ha! 
I can think of 72 ways right now, in this moment, to kill you, and none of them are pleasant. For you, anyway. All right. You wouldn't. Yes. You aren't wrong about that. I'm not a murderer. Then what are you? I'm losing interest in this conversation. Okay. What about me? What about you? You haven't sat with me yet. How would you know if I'm worth your time or not? Demeanor, posture, the way you conduct yourself in class. So... I wouldn't be opposed to sitting with you, eating our lunch and talking, I guess. But only if you make things interesting. Well, I'm not exactly sure what you would call interesting, but you are quite the hard case to crack. But I know you enjoy school, so maybe you could explain the lesson to me. I don't really get Pythagorean theory. Pythagoras theorem. And sure, I can do that. She smiles and so does Shepard. They both sit down. They talk, and not just about the class lesson. The lunch period starts to end, so Stone and Shepard start to wrap things up. I can't believe you found out that Mr. Carey likes Mrs. Marvin. Yeah, I know. It was just a fluke that I saw him stuff that love letter in her desk before she arrived. I deduced that he liked her, but I never had any proof. That's amazing, Carter. Best part is, I have the note right here. Carter, that's criminal. Wrong. Amazing. Let me see. Here. It's so weird and dramatic. So gross. Stone reads it and they both stand up. It's a good thing you took this, though. Miss Marvin would have gotten really upset. She's married, you know. What Mr. Carey did was very insensitive. Ooh, Carter and Samantha were eating lunch together. Ooh, they were probably kissing. You sit alone for how many years, but then Carter asked you to sit with him out of the blue and you sit with him the whole lunch period. I wonder why he asked her here today. I bet he likes her. Mwah, mwah. I bet they're going to sit with each other again tomorrow. I wouldn't suspect we would, Terrence, seeing as how this is the last day of school for this year, dimwit. Shut up. Why do you always have to be like that? Because you all lack the very basic things required to be a human. Brains and wit. And you think Carter does? Of course I do. Why else would she sit with me and not be bored to tears? You're so stupid. Both of you. This is why no one likes you, Samantha. And we actually thought you were cool, Carter. Let's go back to class. At least in there, we don't have to listen or look at these jerks. The kids all walk inside, pushing Shepard and Stone around, and finally onto the ground. Stone brushes herself off and stands while Shepard stands after. You know, it would probably be better for you to not insult people all the time. It's your right to dislike them, but why can't you just keep that to yourself? Because I'm not some yellow-bellied pig that needs approval from any human. I say what I want, and I mean it. If they don't like it, then too bad. This is how the world works. That's very cynical for a 12-year-old. I never claimed to be some hollow-headed optimist. Stone and Shepard look at each other and run into the classroom. Mrs. Marvin! It's Mrs. Marvin! She... she's... She's dead! The kids start screaming and crying. Shepard looks frightened. Only Stone is completely calm. A detective. What? The answer to your question. I'm a detective.
Summer means more heat. So how do you stay cool during the hottest season of the year? With Freezies. Freezies is the corporation who makes things only to cool you down. We have net coolers, all-day freeze pops, cold cups, fan spritzers, kiddie pools, and more. We've got the stuff to keep you cool all summer long. No sweating on our watch. Just because summer is here doesn't mean you or your kids have to die from heat. In fact. It's the complete opposite. Beat the summer heat with freezies. Summer made easy with freezies. Huh? Well, actually, I'm more like a junior detective since I don't work for anyone. I want to be a private investigator, but that implies that I'm hired and paid for my services, which I'm not. What are you talking about? Miss Marvin just died. No, she was murdered. Or at least that's the theory. Stone walks to the body and looks at it. The teacher is slumped in her chair with the pastry in her lap with one bite taken from it and she is foaming at the mouth. Definitely murdered. How can you tell? The almond smell. Can't you smell almonds around her? Y- yeah, m- maybe. Try sniffing the pastry, genius. Oh yeah, that's definitely almonds. But what's the big deal? I mean, yeah, an almond pastry would be disgusting. But I've seen grown-ups eat grosser things, like Brussels sprouts. No, no, no. Almonds around a dead body means poison. She was killed by cyanide. Besides, this pastry is an almond. It's a strawberry muffin from Adam's Bakery. It's one of his signature pastries. How do you even know that? Because he sells them and this muffin looks exactly like his signature strawberry muffin? No, no, no. I mean about the cyanide. It's just morbid. You're like a mortician. No, I'm not. That would be boring. And I like to read and learn about Poison's Carter. Is that a crime? No, but it's a little weird. Anyway, you can also tell she was murdered because she's foaming at the mouth. What are you doing with Miss Marvin? That's so disgusting. I can't believe you're running around with her, acting like she's not dead. You aren't even crying. Don't you have a soul? Shut up, Jeffrey. Do you see any other person here that can solve a crime? No. I don't. You aren't some police officer. You're just a kid, like us. Leave it to the adults to take care of this. At least she's doing something, Jeffrey. Crying isn't going to bring Miss Marvin back. And frankly, I wouldn't be so keen as to let the adults take care of this. It was an adult who killed her. I'm getting Mr. Carey. No, he's a suspect. A what? A suspect in this case. And so is Mrs. Jane and Mr. Jenkins. They are the only teachers in this school besides Mrs. Marvin and the only ones that could have killed her. We can't count the principal since he's out sick. And if you go running off to Mr. Carey, you could very well be killed yourself. Do you want that? All the kids slowly shake their heads no. Then let Samantha try to figure this out, huh? Terence and Joe. Yes? You two are the fastest runners in the class. Go run and get the police. Tell them there's been a murder at the schoolhouse. The two run out of the door towards the backyard where they ate lunch so the other two teachers wouldn't see them. Everyone else, let's barricade the front door so Mr. Carey, Miss Jane, and Mr. Jenkins can't get in and kill us. All the kids go to help Shepard barricade. Samantha goes back to the body. Let's see. 
She was poisoned by cyanide that was put into the pastry this morning after it was brought from Adam's bakery. Obviously, it was poisoned before she received it, because no one could have poisoned it without her knowledge, because none of us left the room until lunch. Also, it couldn't have been the baker who poisoned her. Shepard calls over from the barricading ruckus. And why not? Because if the baker did, then she would have died before she got to school. If she went through the trouble of buying a pastry before school, she would have eaten it for breakfast, not lunch. I remember Mr. Jenkins coming in with the pastry this morning, giving it to Mrs. Marvin. He said that he was told to give it to her. The kids agree. Why don't I remember that? I think you were in the loo at the time. We were going over circles and squares. Oh yes, geometry. That's why I don't remember. Does that mean Mr. Jenkins did it? Could be, but we don't have any definitive evidence. Okay. So why don't we go through each of the suspects? Why are they suspects? Hmm. Well, they are all teachers here, which gives them opportunity, but not motive. Mr. Jenkins was the only one seen actually giving Mrs. Marvin the pastry, but the muffin could have been poisoned before he got his hands on it. He did say he was told to give it to her. But he could still be in the wrong. What exactly would you need for motive? Anything really. We just need to know if someone has ill wishes for Mrs. Marvin. Something like overhearing Mrs. Jane tell the principal that Mrs. Marvin is a terrible excuse for a teacher, and she needs to learn how to teach. That could be a motive. Why did she say that? Mrs. Jane said that Mrs. Marvin is too kind with us, and she likes to mess around instead of get work done. Remember when Mr. Jenkins got that broken leg six months ago? I overheard him grumbling about it was Mrs. Marvin's fault because she was clumsy. Now he has to hobble around because it didn't heal right. Yeah, but if he was so angry at her to kill her, wouldn't he have killed her sooner? True, but I suppose it's still a motive. Wait. What? Can you read that love letter you showed me? Ooh, a love, a love letter? letter. Not like that. Mister Carey gave it to Missus Marvin. Isn't she married? Exactly. Read it, Carter. Dear Sally. I would like to ask you one more time to reconsider my proposal for you to divorce Richard and marry me. He's a no good, two timing jerk, and you are better off dead with him. Marry me and live. Live the life you were meant to live before he took you from me. You're mine, Sally, not his. I'll give you until tonight to give me your answer. Don't say no for both of our sakes. Signed, Rupert. Mr. Carey's first name is Rupert. Mrs. Marvin's first name is Sally. I think the more alarming notion is the fact that he's been writing to her like this for a long time. Plus the fact that he thinks that she is dead with that Richard guy. When did you find this, Carter? Yesterday morning. Look at her waistband, guys. All of these ripped-up papers have the same handwriting and the same caliber of sentiments. So she kept telling him no. And when he kept pushing, she probably said worse things along with the no. Well, of course she did. She was married. I think I know who did it, but I gotta find a little more evidence. I'll be back. Barricade the place again after I leave. You're going out there to the murderers? Yes, in the name of justice. I have to. But it's dangerous. Life is dangerous. But you know what's more dangerous? Letting a murderer go loose. But the police can solve it. Let them do it. You've already proved yourself enough. I'm not going to just roll over, huddled in a blocked-off classroom, waiting and doing nothing. If I can do something to help my town, then I will. That's what it means to be a private investigator. A junior detective. You ruined the moment. Well, we should get going already if we're going to find the killer. 
Who said you were going? Who said I wasn't? Fair enough. Come on then. The two exit the room as the kids start putting back the barricade. So, who are you going to ask now? Mr. Carey. And we aren't going to ask him anything. We are going to sneak into his classroom and break into his desk. What? Fortunately for us, the four sections in this schoolhouse goes out to lunch at different times, so the schoolhouse always has at least half of the students inside at a time. Sections A and B go first, and C and D go last. Mr. Carey is D. Okay, so that doesn't mean that Mr. Carey is out of the classroom. Actually, he is. At this time, he leaves his classroom to go to the teacher's room down the hall. I think he eats his lunch there. How do you know that? I notice him leave the classroom the same time each day for a while, so I excused myself to go to the restroom, and I followed him a bit. Why? I'm a sucker for mysteries. They go into the classroom. So, what do you want me to do? Look in his waistband for anything suspicious. Shepard goes through the waistband while Stone lockpicks the lock keeping on of the desk drawers closed. I found something, Carter. This man has tons of letters politely declining his advances and then getting more vehement as they go on. The last note says, Drop dead, Rupert. They are from Miss Marvin. I wonder why he keeps them locked up. Beats me, but I found something too. A receipt from Adam's Bakery marked for today. And look at this, Carter. I think we just found our killer. Hey kids, what are you doing today? My mom gave me chores. Well, forget that. How can you be stuck inside when there's a new toy on the rise? Wow, what is it? It's Dr. Pubble's new Never Bubble. With special chemicals, Dr. Pubble was able to pack his never-ending Never Bubble. Even when those pesky bubbles float up to the ceiling, it'll bounce right back. You'll never have to have that sad bubble splash ever again. Oh golly, it works for real. No doubt about it, kid. Go to your local corner mart and check out Dr. Pubble's never-ending bubble today. A bottle of cyanide. Oh my gosh, he kept that just lying on his desk. What? No. Didn't you see me lockpick his drawer? I broke into his desk. That's where it was. That's illegal, Samantha. I'm starting to think you are more of a criminal than a junior detective. He's a suspect, and obviously the murderer. I have probable cause. Yeah, but breaking and entering is illegal, and I bet that doing that will negate the cyanide. This is wrong. Uh, maybe you're right. Let me put it back in and lock it up. Then I do some expert lying to the police to get them to look into the drawer. You are seriously strange. Not normal in the least. Are you sure you're even a kid? I ask myself that every day. Come on, we got to leave before Mr. Carey comes back. 
Grab the receipt, just in case. The two go back to the classroom, but the door won't open. Open the door, guys! Let us in! The door opens slowly, just barely enough room for them to slip through. Are the police here yet? No. Then listen closely. This is what we're going to do when they arrive. I've solved the case! Stone quickly runs a plan by the kids in the classroom. They nod their heads in understanding. Just then, the two kids that left come in huffing and puffing with the police behind them. What's this about a murder? Our teacher, look! Sir, she's dead. Obviously. But how do we know it's a murder? Because she was fine. Not sick at all this morning. But when she ate that muffin, she died. She just fell over? Yes, totally dead. And she smells like almonds, even though the muffin she ate was strawberry. She does smell like almonds, sir. What does that mean? I think it's some type of poison. I think it starts with a C, sir. I read it in one of my school books. Oh, yes. That sounds right. Wasn't it something like cyanide? Uh, cyanidin, cyanide, cyan... Oh, cyanide. Right, sir? Yes, that's it. Now all we need is to find the killer. Oh, Kelly. Didn't you say you saw Mr. Carey carry some bottle with a skull on it into his room? Oh yeah. I was curious, so I watched him put it in his desk and then lock it up. The only drawer with a lock. I heard that Mr. Carey kept giving Mrs. Marvin love letters, even though she was married. What a jerk! Yeah, I actually found one of the letters in Miss Marvin's trash can. Shepard holds up the love letter and silently slips the receipt to stone. I noticed that Mr. Carey brought some box in today from Adam's Bakery. How do you know? He dropped this receipt. Didn't you hear Mrs. Marvin tell Mr. Carey that she would never love him? I heard Mr. Carey got really upset. Yeah, he was upset. Oh, I miss Mrs. Marvin. I loved her as a teacher. Only we knew who killed her. Oh, you poor, poor children. You had all the evidence, but you still don't know who killed her. It was Mr. Carey, of course. Of course. He poisoned the strawberry muffin he gave to her that he bought from Adam's Bakery. With the cyanide, he locked in the desk because she wouldn't love him. The police officer takes the love letter. It even tells her that she could face death if she didn't love him. Come on, Gary. We've got a murderer to grab. Man, with all that evidence, I don't understand how those kids didn't figure it out themselves. Just shows you how dumb children can be. The police officers leave the room to get Mr. Carey. She deserved it. Stop manhandling me. How did you even figure this out? You'll regret this. Sally! Yay! We can go home early! The kids leave in a hurry, glad to be out of the room with the dead person. Only Stone and Shepard remain. Such ignorant fools. You mean the police, don't you? Yes. How could they be so dense as to think we are the stupid ones when we had to hold their hands through this investigation? It's crazy. Not to mention they barely knew what cyanide was, even though they are policemen. It's deplorable. You know, I bet we could do a lot better with the police force than whoever is running it now. Six-year-olds could do better, Carter. But I'm not a police officer. You're a private investigator, I know. More like junior detective at the moment, but I'm glad you're getting the picture. I'll hire you then. What? Samantha, you're looking at the best police chief London has ever seen. I'm going to learn the ways of crime and take down bad guys, left and right. And when the crime gets too tough, I'll hire you. Since you won't be my partner in office, then you can be my partner through money. What do you say? Shepard sticks out his hand and Stone grins. 
I say that you're going to be the best police chief that the world has ever seen. And I'm going to be the greatest private investigator the world has ever seen as well. I accept, Carter. No crime will ever elude us. She shakes his hand. Stop wasting your time with your bulky and slow model of the phonograph. We all love listening to our music, so get new phonograph design from Music Shack to give you a whole new listening experience. Their new design makes the phonograph sleeker and smaller, but doesn't detract from the sound of the vinyls. In fact, the sound is much better. So get yourself the new phonograph design from Music Shack today. Sweet, sweet memories you gave of me, you can't beat. The memories you gave me Take one fresh and tender kiss One girl, one boy Some grief, some joy Memories are made of this Forget a small moonbeam Fold in lightly with a dream Your lips and mine Two sips of wine Memories are made of this I still can't believe we were so brazen as to say that we were going to be the best investigator and police chief in the world. Well, you set your sights low on London. I was the one who bragged. But it's not like either of you are wrong. You two have solved cases since you were my age. And now you're saving people's jobs internationally. <laughs> I guess you're right. Why don't I get to go to school, Miss Stone? I can teach you better myself. Besides, you learn valuable skills when you stick with us. Makes sense. But why did Miss Stone's dad not like you, Chief? Didn't you say that he didn't like you? I guess we should tell him the case about the butcher, huh? Oh, yes. I had almost forgotten about that one. That'll tell me why Mr. Stone didn't like you? Well, not so much in the case as it was trying to get her to solve cases with me. That reminds me of the arson case as well. Let's tell the butcher case first. I like to call it the burgled butcher. We're naming them now. Shh, don't question me. 
It is afternoon in the exciting streets of London, May 31st, 1876. The exuberant 14-year-old Carter Shepherd runs through the streets of London with an enormous smile on his face, right to the home of the cool-headed 12-year-old Samantha Stone. The look on Carter's face and the fire in his eyes says adventure, an adventure that Samantha so desperately wants to bring her out of this misery of housework. Is this adventure dastardly, or all in the fun innocence of a child's play? Well, let's tune in and find out. Chief Shepard runs up and knocks on Stone's door. A man opens up. What is it, boy? Uh, hi, sir. My, my name is Carter Shepard, and I... Oh, that boy who got my dear little robes caught up in murder? What is it this time? Someone's heads get chopped off? Huh? Oh, no. A death by hanging. What? Sir, Maybe I a body is cut up into tiny pieces, is that it? Or is it poison again? Father, please stop, you're frightening Carter. Well, he should be, making my sweet little Rose get caught up in death. He didn't get me caught up in murder, Father. It just sort of happened. Besides, he helped me solve the case. It's not like he was the one doing the killing. But must you be around a boy who you only met through murder and blood? I can't lose you too, Samantha. And you won't, Father. I promise. But he's sweet. Not a bad guy, I promise. And I'll be home before night falls. Stone runs out the door. Shepard goes to follow, but Stone's father catches him by the collar. He gives the most frightening glare. <laughs> I don't like you, boy. If anything happens to my sweet little Rose, I'll kill you. Understand? Shepard nods quickly. Stone's father lets him go and goes back inside his house. Come on, Carter! Gee, is your dad always like that? Yes, he's always been a bit protective. But don't let his attitude scare you. He really is a sweet, caring man. I wasn't scared. Just caught off guard. <laughs> sure. So what's wrong? You've never shown up at my house before. That's true. Something's wrong. I figured since you solved the murder case so easily, that maybe you can solve this mystery. There's been another murder? Gosh, don't sound so excited about death, Samantha. Uh, no, not another murder. It's a burglary. Oh. Well, that can still be exciting. Who was stolen from? The butcher. You know, Mr. Ashdown. Ah, yes. He's a kind fellow. So what? He had a bunch of meat stolen? Technically, yes. What do you mean by technically? I mean, yes, meat was stolen, but it wasn't like it was meat that was going to be sold. It's the old cuts of meat that were no longer good enough for the paying customer. It wasn't rotting or anything, but it wasn't going to be thrown out. And Mr. Ashdown is seriously making a fuss about meat he was going to throw out? Not exactly. He's not per se making a fuss about the meat being stolen. He's making a fuss about the thief since it's been going on for a while. He says that the thief might start stealing actual merchandise if he just lets this happen. So why did he come to us? Or should I say, why is he allowing us to serve him? Why didn't he go to the police? He did, but the police won't help him until something is actually being stolen. Technically, something was stolen since the meat was still in his possession. Gosh, the police are useless. No kidding. I'll race you there. Shepard starts running towards the butchers and Stone follows right on his heels. Later they arrive at the butchers out of breath. Ashdown is right outside. <laughs> I, I bet you. Nuh-uh. It, it was a tie. Whoa, you two seem terribly out of breath. Did you two race here? Who won? Who won? I believe it was a tie, young men. 
Well, I suppose this is the little girl you were telling me about. Samantha Stone, junior detective, at your service. Pleasure is all mine. I wish you didn't have to do this, though. The police won't give me the time of the day until Exxon merchandise is stolen. You don't need complete simpletons like the police. We're your best bet to find the thief. Yeah, well, I'm out of options at this point. So go on and look around. Tell me if you find anything. First, can I ask when the meat was stolen? Hmm, about twenty or thirty minutes ago. And how much of it was stolen? All of it. So about fifteen or twenty pounds. Shepherd and Stone look around for anything unusual. Sounds like he doubts us. Yes, seems like we are his absolute last resort. So, did you find anything yet? Yes, actually. Look at the floor. So there's blood on the floor. What of it? It's a butcher shop. Pigs are hanging all around here. Seems like blood wouldn't be rare. True, but where the blood is, a pig isn't, and it's not smeared over here. It was dropped. Also, this floor was cleaned recently. I can tell. You're wrong. My assistant Arthur Adams just cleaned before he left for the day. There's also blood on the hook above us, still dripping. It's fresh. That means the thief must have cut himself before they left. That means there could be a blood trail. Come on, Carter. The three go outside the back door and follow the blood trail for a while until they get to a gate and a dog eating some meat. Look, Samantha, that dog is eating some meat, and it looks like a scrap of pork. Man, does that mean a dang dog has been stealing my pork? No, of course not, and for two reasons. Reason number one: How would he get twenty pounds of meat from your shop without you knowing? A dog can't carry meat. And reason number two. That dog isn't even close to being tall enough to get cut by the hook. Plus, no scratch marks are on him. I think he was just in the right place at the right time to happen to come across a dropped scrap of meat. Hey, Samantha, looks like there's some blood on this gate. I can see the blood trail continue on the other side. The three run and follow the trail until it stops cold. I guess the thief stopped bleeding or got something for the wound. I wonder which way he went next. Hey, when did your assistant leave the store? A few minutes before the robbery happened. Why? Hey, what's that smell? It smells really good. That's pork. I'd know that smell anywhere. That's our thief. Follow your nose. I know who did it. The three run down the street until they get to an alleyway with kids eating and a man serving food. That's Mr. Adams, isn't it? Martha. Mr. Ashdown. What's the meaning of this? Have you been stealing my pork from my shop? No, well, kinda. It was the garbage pile, sir. Why'd you do it? The kids—they're always milling around here at night. About twenty of them digging through the trash, hardly eating a thing. And about a month, I couldn't stand it anymore. Those kids were dirty, hiding from the factory workers in the morning and trying to eat at night. I knew I couldn't house them in my small apartment or feed them on my budget, so I decided to take the garbage meat before you threw them out and feed the kids an hour before night fell, so they could get some sleep with a full stomach. I'm sorry, sir. Really, I am. But these kids were in trouble. I had to do something. I didn't think you would let me take the meat, but I had to get it before you threw it out, or else it'd be contaminated. I didn't think you would ever find out, since the police wouldn't do anything unless I stole actual merchandise, which I would never do. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. Stop apologizing, son. What's done is done, but you still stole from me, and that's a crime. But, but Mr. Mr. Ashdown. No, children. He's right. Take me to the police. Mr. Ashdown, I'll accept my punishment.
Actually, I was thinking I would punish you another way. I think that from now on, you will work another whole hour at my shop. That hour, I will only pay you when the garbage meet. Maybe a little extra will be thrown in. You're doing a good thing here, son. Next time, don't lie and steal. I'm a better man than you think. Oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Ashdown. Thank you. Have some food for you three, please. Yay! 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 Found my thrill on Blueberry Hill, on Blueberry Hill. When I found you, the moon stood still on Blueberry Hill. But all of those vows you made are never to be. So we're apart. You thought of me still. Love's sweet melody But all of those vows you made Were only to be So we're apart You thought of me still You kids better have your room clean when I get back. But, but mom. mom! No kids, I want to be able to see your floor when I get back from the grocery store. Does your mom have you cleaning your room on this perfect summer day? Yeah. Boy, do we have the perfect product for you. Introducing Mr. Escape's new Junior Magic Escape Hatch. But how does it work? Well, just call us when you need to sneak out and enjoy this perfect summer day, and we'll send our crew to clean your room while you go play. Attach the top of the Junior Magic Escape Hatch to your window and press the magic green button, and presto! Your escape hatch to the wonders of outside. And don't worry, you'll be back before supper like magic. Just press the red button on your Junior Magic Escape Hatch to be back in an instant. Your mom will never know you played all day. Wow, wow thanks, thanks, Mr. Mr. Cape. Cape. Pick up your rotary dial now and punch in EC42824 to get your Mr. Escape's new Junior Magic Escape Hatch. What a nice man. I'm so glad he helped those kids. Yes, indeed. And I believe Arthur Adams is still feeding kids way down at the butcher shop. But now he's the butcher himself. Mr. Ashdown passed away a few years ago. I think ten. 
He was quite old. Too bad I didn't catch wind of this Adam's guy. I could have had a full belly for a while. Yes, but you probably wouldn't have found me. Stone is right. The only reason you were with her now was because you desperately needed some coin to survive. Now you have a full belly three times a day. I'd count that as lucky. I am. I am lucky. Hmm. Maybe we should visit at Mr. Ashdown again sometime. How does that sound, Shepard? I think that's an excellent idea. Might get some meat from him as well. Let Charlie meet the man. Yes, splendid. So what was that arson case you were talking about? No, yes. That was a doozy. Especially since I had to figure it out myself. Although, all the stuff you had taught me about arson cases certainly helped. It was like you were ready for everything. I had to be. We had to be. I don't know why you didn't do this kind of research. I was still a kid, Stone. It was weird that you had all that information. Handy, though. Very handy. I call this case Shepherd's Fire. Wow, very creative. Oh, shush. It's not like I had a name ready like you did. And that concludes our first episode of Stone Cold Stories. Did you like it? Tell us on Facebook at 88.5 FM WCUG Cougar Radio or tweet us at Cougar Radio WCUG. Also, check these episodes out on SoundCloud at 88.5 FM WCUG Cougar Radio. Make sure to tune in to listen to another episode of Stone Cold Stories.